Good afternoon, and welcome to another episode of Sam Says, a podcast by the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans. My name is DeRondel Beverly with the Gemini Group, and I am joined today, as always, by the Sam in Sam Says, Samantha Holtz Fry, the Executive Director. No, no, sorry, President and CEO. Just of, CEO. Oh, just CEO. My yeah. apologies. Of uh, the association. Sam, it's been a while. How are you? It's been a minute. I am doing as well as one can do in 2020. Yeah. And so, you know, anytime we open up the news or blogs or, you know, our social media feeds, there's always the negative about what's been happening this year. Let's keep this positive. What's been one positive that you had that's really come out of this that you've seen for perhaps yourself, the association, or, or maybe even your family? Ooh, I love where you're at. I think channeling positivity can make such a difference. I see a few positive things. So first, from a telehealth perspective, we've seen a great expansion in telehealth and Illinois Medicaid, uh, an increase in adoption from providers of utilizing telehealth. Um, members have seen improvement. So I think that is, from a healthcare perspective, sort of our shining star. From a personal perspective, I've gotten lots of home improvement projects done. Okay. So 2020, not all that bad. So is there one home improvement project in particular that has been either the most fulfilling or one that you even surprised yourself that you got done? Um, most fulfilling, we painted all of the bookshelves and molding in our living room and family room. Okay. And that was a process. Most challenging is we uh, stripped off the paint of our uh, back staircase and are refinishing our back staircase back to sort of how it was in 1899, mm. which is a challenge. I can imagine. Uh, I too have, you know, in, in looking at the positive side of, of what's been happening in 2020, as you know, uh, my wife and I, we welcomed a son in May. Uh, it was very difficult to have a baby in the middle of a global pandemic, which I would not recommend at all. Uh, but he has really taught us a lot of things. And one of the things that I have learned is that it is possible to change a diaper with one hand should you feel compelled to change a diaper with one hand. So, uh, But it has been a very, very interesting process, a lot of fun. And since we can't go out as much, I've been cooking a lot more and I have perfected a, it's a now up to a seven pepper hot sauce Ooh. that we put on everything. And so that's been a lot, a lot of fun to experiment with. I love really, really hot, spicy food. So that's been really fun to experiment with. I love it. And I think that brings in Dr. Moore just perfectly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so as Sam was alluding to, we have a very special guest for this unique version of Sam Says. This is the first episode of Sam Says where we are recording this in audio and video form. And our first guest for this new and enhanced format is Dr. Gordon Moore. Dr. Moore is the Senior Medical Director of Clinical Strategy and Value-Based Care for 3M Health Information Systems. Dr. Moore, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And as before we jump into it, we too would like to ask if there's something that you'd like to share from a positive standpoint that you've, you know, your world has changed as well in terms of 2020. And just, you know, was there something as, as the year is now coming to an end, a, a positive that has come out of 2020 for you? My neighborhood has figured out how to have a social distanced happy hour every evening at 6 p.m. And we've done it every single night, rain or shine, 
uh, since the start of this. And not everybody is comfortable attending, but we sit far apart and it's nice to just have that human connection. Wonderful. I might That's need to move very to that good positive. I might need to move to that neighborhood. That's great. And, and I love stories about that. I mean, you hear stories about that all over in our condo building. We have a gentleman who's a great singer. And so every night at eight o'clock, he opens up the balcony and just picks a random song and just belts it out. And we have like these sing-alongs for folks from their balconies or in the courtyard. So just love hearing those, those different types of stories and experiences. So, uh, but again, welcome to Sam Says. We are honored to have you with us today. Uh, first question or the subject rather of this podcast before we jump into the first question is how do we get beyond marginal improvements to true breakthroughs in quality and costs? And so to that end, that's the first question. How, how do we get beyond those marginal improvements to get to real breakthroughs in quality and cost? Yeah, I like that because it's, it, it's something that's been interesting to me ever since I started practicing as a physician and thinking that there was a gap between what I was doing and what I thought what I was going to be doing with people and felt like there were all sorts of barriers in the way. So there, the, it's a complicated question. It, there are layers of of problems between uh, what we're trying to do. And we have incremental improvements that are brilliant and sometimes better than incremental improvements, uh, but we still are suffering from relatively gross inequities in the way that we deliver healthcare. We have people who are not uh, receiving, who have bad access to healthcare, either because they lack uh, basic insurance or the insurance they have has a price tag that puts it out of reach, uh, or they're geographically or otherwise challenged from being able to even get to healthcare. So these, these problems persist in the states and we have to think more broadly than just, can we improve on mammography and diabetes care? Uh, those are good things, don't get me wrong, but we need to think bigger. Uh, we need to think about truly changing the way we pay for healthcare. And we need to think a lot more. Uh, I heard Don Berwick yesterday talk about the idea of the, the moral determinants of healthcare, the policies that we have in place that make it either easy to do the right thing for people or more challenging. And uh, as I think about how we, we consider broader budgets and how we think about the impact of healthcare of people who are severely and persistently mentally ill, who because of uh, maybe lack of medication management are, are scary on the streets and triggering a 911 call and arrest and court time and jail time. This is, for me, it's pointing out a lack of considering larger budgets and how to see the impact, for instance, of a group in Texas, uh, uh, patient care intervention center that looks at treating people in the street because they think broadly. So my answer to that is how do we get past incremental is to consider larger budgets, consider not just the budget of Medicaid, but also the budget on courts and jails and on housing and on, uh, uh, on access and transportation. And think about how we can see more broadly the impact of our decisions and policies. And then how we can drive the uh, the possibility to the point of people who are organizing healthcare to think more broadly. One of the breathtakingly cool things that's happened in this horrible pandemic is the rapid transition to telephonic care and video care. Uh, and that was, it, it, it's been a long time coming. We know that this is a good thing and that it provides better access for people. 
of the barriers that were broken through to make this happen at just immense scale really impressed me. And they make me think that we can do this on many aspects of care as we explore the impact, not just of social determinants, but also the, the policies that are driving those and how we can think again, more broadly. Let's combine that. Let's measure not just uh, transactional patient doctor processes and care, but let's measure bigger outcomes about healthcare outcomes like the rate at which people are hospitalized and go to the emergency department, the disparities that we see based on race, on, on social class and other factors. But let's think even bigger now about health. What are we really trying to achieve? How can we, uh, how can we have that conversation? Big conversations are happening right now. And I see that as a terrific opportunity. And I love what you just outlined there, Dr. Moore, and perhaps it's my former budget staff are coming out, but, but the recognition that what you do from a budgetary perspective, from a policy perspective at the Department of Human Services here in Illinois, an agency that's going to function, you know, is going to handle housing, is going to handle some of our mental health supports, is going to handle food and um, some childcare directly impacts our Medicaid budget, either to its benefit or unfortunately more often to its detriment and sort of re recognizing that from a healthcare perspective, we don't treat just the clinical components of a person because wrapped up in there is all their social determinants of health. And I've seen recent studies that really say that social determinants of health impact an individual's healthcare by about 50%, that the clinical care, their access to care, the quality of their clinician, you know, the medications, all of that, it's, you know, 50% or so it's broken down further, but social determinants of health, do they have secure housing? Do they have access to healthy foods? Um, do they have, um, you know, access to education or childcare or whatever their needs may be? Is that met or is it not met? And oftentimes that's the real driver for our outcomes. And until you tackle those and until you bring them into the clinical discussion, it's going to be marginal improvements, important marginal improvements, but nonetheless, you're not really going to drive that transformation you need to see. Yep, exactly. So I see now the, the cliff at the state level around uh, Medicaid budgets, but yeah. even more broadly, just budgets writ large. And I see in that cliff also an opportunity because of the national conversation around social determinants, because of the pressure of Medicaid budgets, because of the recognition that giving people access to healthcare is good for everybody. Uh, so that we have the we have the possibility of thinking about, uh, for instance, just in the context of how we pay for healthcare, the the label of value based purchasing is useful within the healthcare delivery part of what we're describing, that to give some allowance to say be inventive as you think about your professional responsibility to the people that you're caring for under these global budgets. Can you think more inventively about, and do you have, and can we give you the permissions to do things that are right for people that might ne not necessarily have been prescribing a drug or ordering a test, but it might be uh, connecting with community-based organizations that know how to house people, know how to apply uh, uh, social factors. My wife works as a social worker in the emergency department and comes home last Saturday night and saying, you know, it, it dismays her that people have to be frail elderly people with no families are being discharged to home in a taxi when what they need is so much bigger than that. And that's where 
I think there are opportunities to think more globally about where we apply resources that benefit all of us. When my colleagues at uh, PCIC Texas work with homeless people, it has a salutary effect on reducing arrests, jail days, uh, court appearances, as well as unnecessary emergency room visits. That benefits all of us. So let's think more globally about that. And I, I love what you said there, doctor, because I think as human nature sometimes is to say, well, this isn't directly impacting me or, or perhaps this other, um, you know, items not directly impacting me. But when we look at a state budget and when we look at healthcare overall, I think it's important to recognize that it's it's a system and it's interconnected and there's an infrastructure um, that, that impacts all of us, whether or not we see it directly. And so when we see those inequities in healthcare that we know exist today, and if you even ignore the human component, which is hard to ignore. I mean, especially um, in COVID where we've always known that there were racial disparities. I don't think this is anything new to anybody here um, with, with regards to healthcare outcomes, but COVID shone a light, showed a light so bright on the racial disparities within healthcare that it was impossible to ignore any longer. But what we have to think about further is there's a human component for those families, those communities, um, but then the, it doesn't just stay within those families or those communities. It's going to impact and have a ripple effect beyond to our entire state. The inequities in healthcare cost us money. They increase. We see increases in hospitalization funding um, that then drives dollars out of education, out of childcare, out of um, preventative services. Because again, it, you know, we have to balance budgets. It's sort of. And so what we see is at the end of the day, inequities in our healthcare systems and in our social service network create challenges for the entire state and end up costing us better programs overall because we can't invest and sort of close those inequities. So when you think of healthcare inequities, so IMHIP has been pursuing legislation in Illinois to have clinicians take implicit bias um, training. Um, to sort of start to close that gap to some degree. It's, it, it is not gonna, it's not the silver bullet by any stretch, but beyond implicit bias training, what are things that you would recommend or that you've seen work in closing some of those racial disparities in healthcare? I, one of the most basic things is it's very interesting to have somebody like me work on my behalf as my clinician or an agent working with my clinician. So I've seen community health workers hired from specific communities to be a, to help with the translation because, you know, I as a, you know, look at me, I may or may not understand cultural context. I may go to a class and I may learn more and become more sensitive, but still not necessarily close the gap. A couple of things that are important, I think is as states and managed care organizations, delivery systems look at closing these gaps, we have to understand how to recognize those gaps and measure those gaps carefully. And to do that in a way that understands risk adjustments so that we're not mistaking illness burden for disparities in outcomes. So let's do that. Let's then use that, uh, that same measurement and risk adjustment concept can then begin to expose variation that we see in systems, which can expose opportunities for uh, immediate intervention, but also potentially best practices and where it's being done well. So variation is important. Risk adjustment is key to doing that in the context of healthcare payment, because we wanna be able to answer the question, is it working? And that's gonna be very helpful. 
And depending on how you pursue that, you have the ability to then use that information and bring it to the agents of change in healthcare delivery, either at doctor's offices, uh, at groups, at uh, large provider units, or at managed care organizations, hopefully working in collaboration and say, let's, let's use global budgeting and let's measure with risk adjustment to help understand uh, progress towards goal. And let's identify sub-segments who are at risk and who are suffering or who may help get to better outcomes. I like what you said there, doctor, about data and really measuring those outcomes. Um, because I often think if you're not purposeful about this, then you're not going to change anything. We, we've got to these, this situation on purpose, right? Like there, there's been redlining and economic free, uh, and environmental racism for, you know, and, and structural racism in our country for centuries. It was very deliberate and you're not going to get out of that system without being equally deliberate. Now, I think, you know, really from a healthcare perspective, I think we can't talk about healthcare and not talk about COVID and what all of this means in light of COVID and, and how do we have a quality breakthrough while we're all focused, I think, you know, on a pandemic? How do we, um, you know, handle this moment, this sort of watershed moment from your perspective? I, it, it's a little bit of an odd quote, and I don't know who originally said it, but I love the idea that you, ne you never want to waste a good crisis uh, because that creates an opportunity for getting through the status quo. Uh, the status quo is easier and comfortable for most people, even for some who are suffering. It's uh, sometimes suffering in, in without change is better, um, but we have an opportunity now because of this crisis to say, how are we organizing care? What are we trying to achieve? Are we trying to, are we trying to achieve improvements in outcomes for populations of people at that intersection of cost and quality where by doing better, it has an impact on the healthcare cost trajectory? Or are we trying to improve processes of care that come at high transaction costs, for instance? Do we want to uh, uncouple the way we pay so that we can allow providers to pivot rapidly to video visits and telephone visits and say, it's not the process that's important, it's the outcome. Uh, do we want to allow providers to do other interesting things and let them explore relationships with managed care organizations, with states and other community-based organizations saying, let's collaborate because I see an opportunity here and then hold them to measurement that begins to identify success, movement towards the goal, as well as opportunities for further improvement. And I like what you said there because I think it's so critical when, when folks hear flexibility, let's give providers or MCOs flexibility. I think there's sort of a, a concern that that might mean a, a lack of regulation or oversight. But really, I think when, when you and I talk about flexibility um, and talk about innovation, talk about transition, and transformation, we're thinking, no, don't focus on the process, focus on the outcomes and hold everyone accountable to those outcomes um, and let us get there in perhaps a better way than we have historically. Absolutely, trust but verify. Trust but verify, exactly. And so Dr. Moore, before we wrap, I, I have to ask, you know, and what you and Sam have been talking about 
if you could narrow down one thing that most excites you about what has come out of um, you know, this experience that we've all been in together with 2020 that, that COVID has exacerbated as we head into 21 and beyond. Can you just identify one thing that you're just really excited about or that you're tracking that really kind of excites you for the possibilities for the future? Yeah, it is the absolute demonstration that change can happen rapidly and at scale. We have that capacity within us. I think there's the frustration level is so high that it is pulling or pushing many to want more change. And now's the time to, to let that happen and to pursue it very intentionally and to measure carefully so that we understand the science behind what we're doing and can disseminate that very quickly. All right, I like that. Dr. Moore, we appreciate you being with us on this episode of Sam Says. Again, we are welcomed we welcome rather to this episode, uh, Dr. Gordon Moore, who is a senior medical director of clinical strategy and value-based care for 3M Health Information Systems. Sir, we thank you for being here with us and please stay safe and healthy as we wrap up 20 and, and head into 21. Please stay safe and healthy. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay. So Sam, uh, this was a unique way for us to connect and, and, and do this episode of Sam Says. I, I like the, vis the, the video feel of you know, being able to connect only with each other, but uh, you know, great folks like Dr. Moore. Uh, as we continue doing these in the future, any, anything that you're interested in, like what, what's, up, what's next for you and the association that uh, you may be interested in tracking? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to a chat we have coming up with Dr. Tom Allen at Blue Cross to talk about sort of the mental health components of COVID, how we can care for ourselves, um, and, and how the uh, industry is being impacted um, in a pandemic, uh, and how, you know, some real skills and um, discussion on how we can address that. So I'm looking forward to that discussion. Fantastic. Oh, fantastic. Look forward to that conversation as well. And it's good seeing you as always. And I'm glad that we have reconnected and gotten these, uh, these wonderful episodes of Sam Says back up and running. So uh, I look forward to the next conversation that we have. Always good to see you, DeRondal. All right. So again, on behalf of the Gemini Group, I'm DeRondal Beverly. And that was Sam, the Sam in Sam Says from I'm Hip. If you like what you hear, uh, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You can also connect with us at the website, imhip.net. That's I-A-M-P, I-A-M-H-P, rather, .net. And uh, we will continue more of these interesting conversations because, as we've talked about earlier, uh, 2020 and COVID in particular have really created some interesting conversations in this space. And we're going to continue having those conversations and bring them to you. So, Thank you for tuning in as always. Please stay safe and healthy and we will talk to you soon.